Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective Podcast. My guest uh, this episode is my good friend, Mr. Alan Schimmel. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on. You are, you are most welcome. Uh, it's, and like I said, it's, you know, before we started, it's been a it's been a while. It's been a crazy year and a half uh, since I you know saw you in person last. Um, I, I guess let's kind of start there. Like, uh, just, uh, I don't, I, we don't need to go into all of all of COVID, but just from your perspective, you know, doing DevOps.com, Container Journal, you know, Security Boulevard, you know, all the things that you do, DevOps Institute. You know, how have you managed that during the last year and a half? You know, I, I I consider myself and most of us in the tech industry, Tony, to be very blessed because while all of us have probably been touched with loss, you know, people we know getting very sick or, or worse, from a business point of view and financial point of view, look, business is booming. Right, is is the Saturday Night Live character says baseball been very very good to me. The last year and a half has been a a bit of a windfall, not just for us here at Media Ops and DevOps Institute, but for most companies that somehow or another participate in the digital transformation, you know, piece of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know I've seen a lot of tick from. You know, sassy, zero trust, you know, those types of things that like suddenly like they were already on the radar. People were you know, companies were already doing digital transformation on some some level. Um, but, you know, March of 2020 vastly accelerated that. <laughs> yeah, suddenly, yeah. suddenly companies were like, oh, shit, I guess we're doing digital transformation like now. Like, you know, <laughs> well. I, you know, I think companies fell into a couple of buckets, Tony. Companies that were already digitally transformed and were continuing along that path, man, they, they accelerated. They took market share. They did great. Companies that were planning to digitally transform and, and you know, moved up their plans and did it a little faster maybe than they were planning to, did okay. Companies that hadn't had digital transformation plans in the works, though, found themselves a dollar short and a day late. And, and quite frankly, many of them, if they haven't already gone out of business, are are scrambling and, and spiraling, yeah, teeter-tottering on the edge. Well, it, it was interesting because... Um... Yeah, I, I had the same experience that you, you you described in terms of you know things things have been pretty good actually from a you know from my perspective as a as a like freelance content as a business person yeah it, it, they, they think things have been pretty good but it did not seem like that in the immediate aftermath of March because I went to RSA last year in conversations in like you know closing conversations with like four different vendors for 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 big projects and I had three out of those four drop drop and say you know what we're we're pulling back we don't know what we're doing now and so for a minute i was like oh crap you know <laughs> like, yeah, no I, I i agree look when we came back from rsa we were talking off off mic you know <clears throat> within a week or two coming back from rsa i had closed the office and quite frankly i didn't know if we would be open ever or if we would be out of business because a lot of friends i knew in the vc world were giving messages to their portfolio companies 
cut your marketing spend to zero, right? Stop marketing, stop selling. No one's buying everything. Everything's closed down. Save your money for when this is over. But I think, you know, a funny thing happened along the way, Tony, is that people recognize that we, you could close offices, but you can't stop people from eating and drinking and cleaning and living. And companies need, needed the digital transformation tools to make it happen. So within a month or so, we saw this whole boomerang thing. Right. Well, and it, you did too, I'm sure, right? What happened mid-March when everyone shut down, they shut down as if it was a response to an incoming hurricane. Or, right. You know, they shut down thinking, okay, we're shutting down for two weeks. That was literally the extent of their like business continuity plan was where, you know, we have this two week shutdown. Yeah. And after those two weeks passed and then, and, and they were like, oh shit, we're in this for the long haul. Then yeah. suddenly everyone shifted 180 degrees in the other direction. Then I had people coming to me and saying, oh, not only are we not pulling back our marketing, we're doubling down on our marketing because then they, then they realized the traditional methods of having like in-person meetings and, and different things that they, they, they didn't have that in arsenal anymore. And they were like, all right, well, we're going to dump all of our money then into content marketing. <clears throat> that's what we've got to work with. Yep. So content marketing and, and virtual and, and stuff like that, because look, when conferences and in-person went away, it was the only game in town. I, I think the other piece of that, though, Tony, was you know, those same VCs who were advising their portfolio companies to kill marketing then turned around flush with cash. You know, I look, I, I think when they write the history of this, the PPP program and the and the feds flooding the markets with cash really saved the day because we're still seeing it today. I mean, there's so much money being, you know, available to to tech companies who are involved in digital transformation, cybersecurity especially. Yeah. And these guys are bringing in money. And you know what? When you're bringing in $100, 200000000 million rounds, you got to keep the growth needle going, man. you gotta, you got to turn on marketing, right? Because these people don't want their money sitting on the sidelines. They want they want to see growth. They want to see top line growth. Well, so yeah, I mentioned SASE and, and zero trust. Um, from 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 where you sit, from your perspective, what do you think has been you know kind of the the the, the hot tech or hot security markets in the last year? Like what? Yeah. It's sort of like you know when there's a plague, and, and this is maybe this is a, this is a really dark humor, so to speak. But uh, you know, if there's a plague, that's bad for a lot of people. It's real good for the mortuary. You know, right. there's always business that that makes out in the end. Yeah. And, you know, and the, there are those businesses in tech and cybersecurity too. Some some suffered, but others, this is this is a huge boom. I don't know a lot of tech and cybersecurity companies that are suffering. But that being said, look in in cyber, well certainly. DevSecOps, you know, continues to explode from our perspective. But that may be a case of when I'm a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I'm in DevOps.com. But AppSec and DevSecOps, I mean, this year we really saw a move towards creating security tools for developers. 
and that's been huge. But obviously, look, January rolled in, and that solar winds, you know, supply chain attack really shook things up. People start saying, "Holy, holy shit!" You know, gotta be careful what we're what we're doing here. So that anything, anything attracted to that, and then the ransomware. You know, we've had a, a, another pandemic of ransomware. It, what it all boils down to, Tony, is you know what? The bad guys never miss an opportunity to take advantage of a crisis. This is true. Right? And then, so it's a, you know, the, uh, I, I forgot the term, but the, the chicken and the egg, right? The bad guys do bad things, so people now need to spend more money to try to stop the bad guys or, or remediate what the bad guys are doing. And it goes round and round. Yeah, on the on the ransomware front, it, it's it's been sort of interesting because you had you had the uh, dark side attack against Colonial Pipeline. Yeah. Then you had the Revel attack or R Evil, however you want to pronounce that. Uh, uh, JBS and 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 such and and um, what's been interesting is that both of those both of those ransomware groups subsequently faded into oblivion. They shut they shut shut their doors and and I mean I'm I'm confident they shut their doors or they were shut. Is, uh, yeah, like uh, there's lots of speculation on that about you know, well, did did the United States do something or did Russia slap? I think there's much speculation. I think it's a fact. <laughs> you know, we for you know RSA obviously this year was virtual, right? And we did our usual DevSecOps event as part of RSA, and we had Chris Krebs, Christopher Krebs, as our keynote speaker, and it was live. It was a live interview I was able to do with him. We had some audience participation was great but i've stayed in touch with chris since then and i mean i will tell you the day before the uh not resident evil who's the other one dark side dark side the day before it was announced that dark side's bitcoin was taken away and all that christopher krebs said that he had just spoken to someone he said watch what happens tomorrow and sure enough tomorrow came and and so I, I don't think there was any doubt, you know, and it still shows you that the biggest, baddest, you know, hackers when they want to be are the folks in Fort Meade. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting how, how, how ransomware has evolved, too, because it, what, what started as just a different form of traditional malware, I mean, it's just an exploit that spreads around, encrypts stuff, asks for ransom has transformed into ransom ops it's transformed into it's a yeah. it's a full-blown operation and actually the actual ransomware payload piece that encrypts your data that's the final stage of the attack like by that point yeah, but that's start. something they outsource you could buy that piece i mean here, here's what we see with ransomware number one there is the traditional ransomware you're talking about tony where you know i'm going to encrypt your 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 infrastructure and you, your files are now rendered useless. But then there's the, the, the you know, the, the entrepreneurial ransomware people who say, wait, there's more. Before I ransom, before I encrypted your data, I made copies of everything. Right. I now have all your confidential data and your customers' confidential data, and I'm going to release that if you don't pay me money on top of the ransomware. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's like, 
you know, there's this whole ecosystem around ransomware. Then there's the, hey, we may not be able to get to your, you know, to to encrypt your infrastructure, but we're going to ransom DDoS you, right? Where we're just going to do a DDoS attack that's not going to stop unless you pay us money. So the 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 idea of extortion, which is what this all is, right? The idea of extorting money from people using cyber, you know, hacking and malware and what have you. I mean, they're exploring every nick and cranny of it. Well, they are. And so, like, this week, um, Lockbit mm-hmm. act, or, uh, you know, encrypted Accenture. Um, Accenture, like, very quickly was like, now nah, we're good. You know, like, they, they, they claimed that they restored from backup and they were back up and running and it's not a problem. Now, there's still the other piece you're talking about, though, which is Lockbit has their data they can publish yeah. it publicly. They can sell it to the highest bidder. They can sell it to competitors for some kind of insider trading kind of thing. Then there's a third piece that Lockbit, Lockbit has an innovative third piece to this puzzle, which is they've changed their encryption. I mean, the, the, the wallpaper they put up on encrypted systems to try and recruit insiders to help them. It, they, so they're basically saying, hey, do you want to make a million dollars? You know, you 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 help us. You help us exploit from the inside. We'll cut you in on the deal. The ultimate insider threat. I mean, again, it goes back. The bad guys never miss an opportunity to take advantage of a crisis. They are, you know, are they bad guys? Yes. Are they dumb? No. Are they insidious? Yes. These guys. I mean. You got to give them points for their creativity. You know what I mean? I mean, they're always oh, right. thinking of, of better like said, new ways of doing it. Like you said, it's a whole ecosystem, too. So, yeah. like, what used to just be like, you know, you know, Alan sitting in his basement, code, you know, writing writing an exploit. Like, no, this is a whole company. They've got customer service departments that you can call to figure out how to pay them the Bitcoin. And they've got. No, they have third parties they work with who clear their Bitcoin. They have some third parties who write the the encryption piece of it. They have other parties that they buy, you know, to for the exploit. They don't make their own exploit. They buy exploits. Well, and there's like the the you know like a a legitimate business can you know sets up an account with paypal to act as a transactional third party for you know getting the money from point a to point b that exists on the dark web on the ransomware side too there are entire companies who technically speaking aren't necessarily doing something illegal they're not involved in the ransomware but they do facilitate it's great it's great but you i mean look there's a complete mirror image of 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 our business infrastructure that they they deploy I mean that you know you're not dealing with kitty scripters anymore. And there are probably a bunch of people, and not not probably there are a bunch of people who just have a it's just a job. Like they they're, they're they not, work for these people. They don't they don't human, get a piece of the action per se. Yeah, they're just in human resources or they're in customer support. No, no, they'll pay. They get paid. They came up with an exploit and they sell that to the ransomware people. Here's here's the really dirty thing about it, though, too. And, you know, we talk about, well, was the government involved in shutting these folks down? These organizations could not exist but for the friendly turning of a blind eye. Yeah. 
by nation states. Whether the nation states are actively supporting them, no, I, I don't, for the most part, I don't think Russia's involved in that. You know, there are countries, North Korea, that use this to finance their terrible economies and national debt and so forth, right? They, they do that. Uh, there are instances where, you know, a China or a Russia might want to attack a strategic resource of a U.S. or ally. But that, I'm sorry, we have gardeners outside. I apologize for the noise. Uh, you know, that does happen. But I think far worse and far more prevalent is they give these people safe homes or safe places to work out of. And they don't, you know, they don't, if, if, if they were turned out, these people, as they were found out, we wouldn't have this problem the way we do. Right. I mean, you know, we, we, we call it state ignored. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that Russia, Russian intelligence, you know, knows the home address of the guys from Darkseid and, and Revel and, and all these groups. They, they know who they are. They know where they are. They're not pulling the strings. They're not directing the attacks, per se. They're also not stopping them because ultimately it does kind of you know, just just the causing chaos in 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 you know, Western civilization is part of the part of their mo. Right, but it aligns with their goals. To that, to that point, though, Tony, what we talked about was it the U.S. government that shut these people down? Don't be surprised if it wasn't the U.S. government putting pressure behind the scenes on the on let's say the Russians to go clean up their own house and then the russians go and do it because it's not worth the price they have to pay to allow these people to operate right well it's because it's been interesting so on the one hand the the groups that operate out of russia generally speaking uh all the ones that i'm aware of have in their code something that says hey if you detect that it's a russian system like if, it, if it's using a cyrillic keyboard don't attack it. So right. basically, it's like Russia gave them rules of engagement and said, hey, right. you, whatever you want, just don't attack any Russian interests. Um, so there's that aspect. And then there's this sort of Robin Hood aspect where they, 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 they try to paint themselves like, well, we're not going to attack, you know, schools or hospitals, you know, we're but, only going to they do. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely attack hospitals. There's been multiple attacks on and, and some of them, thank God, have been thwarted. On, on U.S. healthcare at a time of a pandemic, right? Yeah, and you know, yeah, when the when the pandemic first started, there were there were certainly groups that, to your point, you know, that the, you know the the bad guys never never miss an opportunity. Right. Who were like, oh, hospitals are in high demand. We should shut them down. Yep. I mean, you know, you could only hope that their parents get COVID. <laughs> I mean, what, what am I, what, what I going to tell you? Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shift back a little bit. Okay. I, I know that, I know that pre COVID you had a very busy calendar. You were all over the place, traveling yeah. the world, doing, doing events. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and you've got, you've got your hand in a lot of different things in terms, you know, like I say, with DevOps.com, with Container Journal, with Security Boulevard, with, you know, all, all the different things that you do. Um, 
you know, have you have you continued all of those things? Have you just you know transitioned to doing virtual events? So we do. So at Media Ops and DevOps Institute, we do at least two virtual events a month. For DevOps Institute, it's something called Skill Up Day, and every month is a different focus. I think today actually was the Skill Up Day for DevSecOps, and. And then once a month, we'll put on a big media ops virtual event. For this month, it was containers and cloud native. Um, but what I did, Tony, was when we stopped you know, being able to travel around the world, <clears throat> I spun up something called TechStrong TV, which, because we had the studio here in the office, and we started, rather than interviewing people at conferences, we started interviewing people on Zoom. And we we you know put those together and we do some some of our virtual event sessions, package that news and highlights and stuff like that. And we we spun up. We call it TechStrong TV. It plays fresh content Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. It's about three hours a day or sometimes more of of original content. And you know we get you know nine ten thousand people a day who watch that. We we call it we put it out on the what we call the TechStrong network or the TechStrong TV network. It, so it plays on LinkedIn Live and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. It plays on all the media op sites. It plays on our mobile app, and then it also even plays on OTT channels for Amazon, Roku, and um, Apple TV. So we get people all over the world watching that, and so you know we we I. For me, quite frankly, Tony, it kept me sane because I, I couldn't see anyone, right? We couldn't go meet people in person, but at least I got to talk to people every day. And um, so that's pretty cool. That, you know, and TechStrong TV has become a big part of, of the mix here because we then take those videos and we get transcripts made of them and we run them in the various sites. And we have a, a site called digitalanarchist.com, which is sort of like our video depot, where you can see the individual interviews on demand. Um, it's pretty cool. And, you know, we're continuing to do that. Well, and I, I would think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would think that uh, along the same lines of companies shut down, pulled back, and then said, wait a minute, no, we need to do something different, that that fit the mix. You know, oh, like, yeah. They gave them a thing. Yeah. I mean, we still do a lot of webinars more than ever. <clears throat> but we also spun up, I call them TV shows, but of course they're not TV shows. They're video shows. But we do like one called DevOps Unbound every other week. And then once a month, it's a live roundtable, topics related to DevOps. We do one called CISO Talk, where my co-host is Matt Newfield, CISO at Unisys. Um, we do one on SRE called you know, the SRE show. We do another one on um, uh, value stream management. Uh, we do another one on open source and mainframes. So beyond just the regular interviews, much like a podcast except in a video format, we're actually starting to produce, you know, 40, 45 minute, as I said, I call them TV shows. With, you know, we'll have a panel of three or four people. We pick a topic. And have some really great discussions. Yeah, it, you know, so similar vein, but you know, 
we we went to RSA last year. But Black Hat, that was virtual, so there was no Black Hat. And then, you know, and it was interesting to me to see some of the various ways that uh, some of the vendors came up with innovative solutions for like, well, how do we meet with people? Because, you know, usually you, you'd go to Black Hat and, you know, Rapid7 has a party and, right. you know, and, and, you know, whatever, you know, McAfee has a party. Everyone has a party. They have a little little reception and you meet face to face and you have a drink and you eat the, you know, same the same stupid appetizers at every single party, you know. Yep. <laughs> whatever. Yep. That's just how you do it. And. Uh, you know, different companies did, did different things. I've, I've, I've participated in a variety of things where people have, you know, sent me DoorDash food, you know, so that we can. I've done, I've done the wine and cheese and, yeah, we've done the, wine dinners and, cheese. and the lunches. I've done beer. I've done, you know, have yeah. None coffee. of them really work. You, you, so here, here, look, for what it's worth, here's my take on it, Tony. A year and a half of these, 400 webinars later, 32 virtual events later, and we have virtual events with live chat, live video chat, booths, all kinds, and we've tried all of these things that you've spoken about. Some of them work better than others, but you want to know the truth? None of them, none of them come close to being able to walk up to Tony and say, hey, man, how you doing, and sitting down at a table over a beer and talking. Because when you're virtual, it's too easy. To say, you know, I'm going to shut off my video a second, or you know, I'll I'll mute myself while I'm watching the TV here on the other side, or I'm watching my email or my phone, or you know what I mean? Right. It's it is not the same. We we in the last couple months before this latest COVID, you know, I'm in Florida, the land of the stupid. So, um, but before things got bad again. I was starting to bring my executive team down here, you know, for every six weeks or so, every four weeks. And you forget what it's like to work in person versus via Zoom. Right. I mean, the communication is so much thicker. It's so much faster. It's so much better that I, I personally, I know I'm dying to go to an event. That is as soon as it's safe. I think most people listening to this would join me. We'd love to go back to events, grab a beer with someone, catch up, right? Be be at a, a real conference again. I I as of we'll say beginning of June, I had every intention of going to Black Hat. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to go to Black Hat. I mean, I know I know there's a lot of people, especially in cybersecurity, uh, who are like. You could you just do not like Las Vegas and they, they dread going. I happen to love Las Vegas. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. And uh, and, and then as as this variant kind of started spiking, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Not worth it. Just not <laughs> worth it, man. I, I agree. I mean, look, I'm, I feel the same way with RSA. RSAs are early this year. I think it starts the week of February 7th. As I sit here today. <clears throat> We're planning on putting on the DevSecOps event at Moscone again this year. But, you know, as it sits here today, I can't promise you, unless something really changes, a lot of people get smart and go get their vaccine. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's so many so many variables to happen between now and then. I mean, I, yeah. I'm, again, I'm really... I'm sorry, let me tell that.
No worries. Uh, I'm really looking forward to RSA. I'm really looking forward to the security bloggers meetup. I'm, you know, like, like I, I really, really hope we get to do that next year. And, uh, you know, and again, as of June, I would have said, all right, that seems like a thing we're definitely doing as of right now. It's like, Ooh, that's a 50, 50 at best. Yeah, man, I, I agree, Tony. I, I just, you know, so that, you know, that's a part of our industry and a part of our, kind of day-to-day that we we need to learn to live differently with and um you know it doesn't mean security stops it doesn't mean the business of security stops we'll keep doing what we do yeah well it'll be interesting you know because just to d- 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 uh, diverge a little bit uh into the, the COVID side but you've got you know you're in florida i'm in texas so we're in like the two worst states <laughs> yeah uh, for, for what, are, what are two guys like us doing here? But okay, I agree with you. You've got <coughs> it, it's not bad enough that the spike is happening. It's not bad enough that 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 we have to deal with this at all. But you and I have governors who are like actively doing everything they can to make it as bad as possible. So um, it seems. <laughs> so so we've got that going for us. Yeah. But um, I forget where I was going with all that. Um, well, let me let me finish something there for you then. So here, I have a unique view on this. Yes, the governors of our respective states, just I, I don't know what planet they come from. But I think at some level, Tony, it doesn't make a difference what the government says, whether it's the federal, the state, or the local. I think reasonable people who fear for their life will do reasonable things. And unreasonable people or people who are not able to ascertain, you know, fact from fiction on the Internet will do unreasonable things. And the government is not going to be able to mandate intelligence or reasonableness to people. They're going to do what they want. Well, actually, so now I remember my point. My point was okay. going to, um, that, A, in both Florida and, and in Texas— we now have situations where different cities and state and, and, and school districts have kind of said, you know what? F you. We're going to we got to do what's reasonable. You're having a mask mandate. Right. Um, we got to protect the kids and the teachers. And I really appreciate the, the, the one superintendent in Florida when the governor was like, well, I'm going to you know, I just won't pay you. And he's like, I don't you, you, seriously. I'm going to put kids lives on, on the on the line because you won't pay yep. me. So there's but that, that. But that says a lot about these governors. Yeah. But I was going to say that ultimately, though, to 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 kind of, kind of agree with your point of, you know, if the government, you know, I mean, for a long time, Texas did have a mask mandate. You know, you still had all of the MAGA, QAnon lunatics refusing to wear a mask. So the fact that the government said to do it didn't change anything. Um, where I think where I think it's going to come from is a like you said, just you know, people having the intelligence to do the right thing, but b the private sector. You have companies like you know Microsoft or whatever saying, "Look, you're going to get vaccinated." <laughs> you know. Well, look, our office is open here, but if you're not vaccinated, don't come. We we actually had an all hands scheduled for next week, which we're still going ahead with. But if you're not vaccinated, I'll see you on Zoom, and and that's that's what we're doing. I and I, I think, you know. I think employers have the right to do it, and they should. 
Well, and there's, you know, so there's a, I, I don't know who this person is. I can't even tell you off the head, off the top of my head what his name is, but there's some country music artist. And, and uh, I mean, I use the term loosely because to me, country music isn't music. Well, um, okay. <laughs> but he was, there was supposed to be a concert here in the Woodlands, uh, like this week that he canceled because he said he went to the, the, the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion and said, you, we will only let uh, vaccinated people into the show and everyone must be masked. And the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion said, no, we won't do that. And he said, All well, right, I'm not playing. <laughs> and I know no. that there's there's a few other tours like that, too. There, there are artists out there who are but like, there, but there are opposite ones of that, Tony, where um, like Eric Clapton, for instance, is doing a tour specifically where you don't have to wear a mask and all that because he just doesn't believe in it. I, I don't. Maybe he's all the drugs at the end of the year pickled his brain. I, but, would not have that. I would not have guessed that of Eric Clapton. Me either. I was very, you know, from the concert to, of, for Bangladesh to this. But here, he, I, but let's bring it home to tech, right? So in October, I think the week of October 10th, the Linux Foundation puts on Cloud Native Con QCon, big show in uh, L.A. this fall. So, you know, they went from having 15,000 where they were going to expect 6,000. They're now only expecting 4,000. That may change, right, day to day here. But the bottom line is, if you want to be one of those 4,000, you must be vaccinated with proof. I don't know how they're going to show proof. You must be tested. They're doing testing. You must be vaccinated, and they—I think they're going to have vaccines available too if you want to get one, and they're going to take your temperature and so forth. I so a lot of places that are taking your temperature, and which is all—you know—if you take this like kind of, you know, let's say we get, you know, we get past this, you know, COVID's COVID sort of in our rearview mirror now. I, I think it's going to be one of those things like the flu or the cold that'll kind of always be there, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and I'm not an epidemiologist, so I'm just pulling shit out of my ass right now, but, mm -hmm. but, but some of the stuff that we've implemented now makes sense and would have made sense before as well. So like, even just with the cold and the flu, you have people who, you, you have this entire culture of, you know, this macho culture of, well, yeah, you know, I, I feel like crap, but I'm going to persevere and go to work anyway. Right, so I'm going to power through it. Stay, stay, stay the fuck home. Do your favor, right? Stay the fuck home. So I, I think there's that. I think the whole work from home thing is something that's not going away, right? I don't know if we're ever going to get to the point where people are going to come into the office five days a week anymore. Um, you know what? I, I think. Look, I will tell you. Over the last year, we've probably doubled or more in the amount of people we've hired. Very few of them are local here to me in Florida. They're from all over, all over the world, and well, and there's not the matter with that. It works fine. We found out. I so I I've, I've talked about this a couple times, even on the last podcast episode with with Marcus Carey. I talked about how there is a there is a win win there of of sorts, which is you're sitting there in Florida, and if you say I need everyone to come to the office, well now you've limited your hiring pool to only people within a thirty mile range of Boca Raton. Uh huh. And, you know, by opening it up to remote, you can hire someone in rural Nebraska. And yep. and maybe that's the best person for the job. 
And so before, you didn't have that available to you. Well, not only is that the best person for the job, but forget Boca Raton for a second. Let's say I'm your typical tech company in Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, San Mateo, you know, over there. And instead of, you know, when I talk about the best, oh, darn it, that's my... When I talk about the best person for the job, it's also, you know, what's best for me as a business, hiring someone in Nebraska or Texas that doesn't have state income tax versus hiring someone who lives in Sunnyvale. Right. Well, it's, a, it's almost it's a, it's a variation on offshoring. So like yeah. before, before it was like, well, I'm going to hire you know, in India. I'm going to hire in, you know, in Indonesia because it's cheaper. And it's like, OK, well, you can do the same thing if you're in the Bay Area and you hire someone in South Dakota. You just you save yourself a bunch. But, th you know, this is I mean, this is right out of Tom Friedman's. It's a flat. It's a flat earth and it's a hot flat earth. You know, labor finds its level like fluid. Right. And companies are always going to gravitate towards the most efficient labor. Not necessarily the cheapest. We did see this with outsourcing. You could hire freshers in India, but it winds up costing you three times more than getting a good developer here in the U.S. who gets it right the first time. But that being said, if I've got good developers in South Dakota or Texas or, you know, one of these states with a low cost of living versus good developers in Palo Alto or San Francisco or Boston, I'm telling you, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I'm you know I'm going to hire the cheaper guy. You just made you you just made the 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 business case that I use for for myself all the time, which is you know because I talk with with people who are like, oh well you know you you your 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 rates are too high, you're charging too much. I can go I can go get someone else to do that for a third of it. And I'm like, well you can, go for it, knock yourself out. Um, there's a pretty good chance. You're going to pay back to me after right after it doesn't work out. It's, for you. it's like doing your own plumbing. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it, but you're going to eventually you're going to call the plumber to come fix it. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. Right. It pays, you know, a lesson I've learned in many, many years of life, as well as business is get it done right. The first time is cheaper, cheaper than trying to get it done three times. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a there's a parable or whatever about uh, uh boots that had to do it had so there's this thing about there 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 are you have a rich guy and a poor guy and quality boots cost well i'm just gonna make up numbers quality boots cost a hundred dollars and if you buy the hundred dollar boots they'll last you for 10 years but the poor guy can't afford that he can he can only afford the 15 dollar boots but the $15 boots will only last you a year. So at the end of 10 years, the poor guys. 150. But our whole economy is based on that, though, too, Tony, right? That people wind up doing that because they don't have the money to do it right in the beginning. And, and so you make compromises like that, right? I'll buy the car that has the four-year warranty versus the six-year warranty because it's cheaper and hope I skate. Right. Well, uh, I mean, look at healthcare. Look at look at yeah. Look, healthcare is another. You don't want to make nutrition, healthcare just like the food that's cheap is shit food. Like, <laughs> and hence, what would people buy with that? But again, you know, bring, bringing that home to tech, um, security, for instance, right? The best security solutions aren't cheap. 
right? Now, so if I'm hosting my, my infrastructure in Amazon, yeah, Amazon comes with a lot of security that's free. It's, you know, it's a, it's a poor man's version of this and a poor man's version of that. And it's okay. I'm a poor man, so I'll take the poor man's version of it. And then all of a sudden, fuck, I'm ran, excuse my language, all of a sudden, man, I'm ransomware. Right? Well, maybe if I had paid the extra money for the good stuff. Right. I, I, had- see, I see that argument a fair amount with, with Microsoft as well. Like, Microsoft has yeah. all the pieces. The pieces are there. And if you don't want to invest, you can just use their pieces. And and I'll give them credit. You can probably get 70, 80% of the way there, but just understand that you're you're getting the poor man's version of those solutions and that and there, there are better solutions well, available. No, I, I actually, I saw, um, what's his name? George Kurtz, right? That's, um, what's George's company now? CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike. You know, kind of railing against Apple and Microsoft building their security into the, uh into this yeah but it, it, you know building the security into the os and you know what was it was it a vos that just got bought by norton lifelock for like eight billion dollars or some nonsense yep you know you know that's that's one drowning victim you know grabbing a lifeline from another drowning victim well you know but uh, yeah I, I will say there's an argument to be made there depending on if we're talking about companies or consumers, where I think what Microsoft does and what Apple does are hugely valuable on the consumer front. Because absolutely, right. the consumer AV market, security market, is not what it was when you and I were right. maybe a couple of years younger. Having Windows Defender fault mm-hmm. when you install Windows, like that's good enough for most people. Agreed. So agreed. All right. Well, I want to I, I, I want to wrap this up, but uh, I, I do want to. Oh, I'm sorry. You. All right. No. Well, I, I got I, I got things to do. Places all to right. go. We all do. We all do. But no, I wanted I, I want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, like I said, it's been too long, and you know, fingers crossed. Uh, you know, please, everyone out there listening, just get vaccinated and wear the damn mask. I would really like to go to RSA. You do it. Look, if things are well, I we have a so we're going to be putting on in-person events. We're going to be announcing something that helps out with that. But our first in-person event is September 28th in Dallas. So if um, we'll see, we'll see where the world is. If if that if, you know, we'll see how the world is. If if, if that if that happens, uh, that's only you know three and a half hours uh, away. I know, but. Uh, we're going to wait until around September 10th to make the final call on that. The, right. the problem, Tony, is you go to do these events and, you know, there used to be force majeure contracts when you would take right. in a place where, okay, you know, I had to cancel or postpone. Well, you know, a lot of these venues, they've been put out of business or they've been, you know, pushed to the wall. So they're not so quick to let you pick another date anymore. Right. Stuff yeah. it's tough all around, man. All right. Well, Great speaking to you, Tony. Good luck, man. Keep it up. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Let me know if you love it. Let me know if it sucks. And uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, 
questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts. 